everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Online Warriors podcast. This week, it is only a twosome. Illegal is not joining us today, but it is me, Nerd Bomber, joined by Tactic. Hello, hello. And we've got a really exciting episode. You know, last week's episode was a little bit pre-canned, so we're catching up on some news ranging from Sony to Xbox to Dragon Dragon Ball. There's so much to cover, so much exciting stuff to talk about. But before we dig into everything, I have to ask you, Tactic. You know, it's getting to be spookier season. We're halfway through October. Well, I mean, we're halfway through October. You know, it gets progressively spookier as you get closer to Halloween. What is your favorite, like, what is your go-to spooky watch for Halloween? I mean, you know the answer to this because we watch it together. And and I was, to be honest, before I met you, I was not like a go-to spooky watch anything. You did this to me. Well, I mean, maybe not necessarily spooky, but like what gets you in the mood for Halloween? Like there are Halloween things like Charlie Brown, I wouldn't call very spooktacular, but that's definitely up there. Like the Great Pumpkin is halloween Ask thing to get you in the fall spirit so like what is your thing there is not a single show that gets me into the halloween mood it is a hundred percent leaves a hundred percent and i'm and i'm not saying like raking the leaves i'm not saying like doing chores i'm not saying even jumping into piles it's just foliage holistically that is the thing for me but there's no specific show like that you want to watch no specific movie like if you're hunkering down on a saturday night during spooky season and you have to pick something to watch what are you gonna watch gun to my head it'd be hocus pocus but again that was something that was introduced to me well not introduced to me i saw it as i was as a youngin but like as like a tradition that we rewatch every year that was because of you glad to hear it as anybody who's listened to the podcast over the last i think we're going on eight years now knows i'm, I'm a huge hocus pocus fan my other thing that kind of gets me into spooky season and this is something that usually comes later on is ghost hunters and this is something Yeah, this is something that I like to put on specifically on Halloween while we're handing out candy. And this is why. So Hocus Pocus or The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, any of that stuff. I movie watching experience is being interrupted by kids. However, Ghost Hunters, I mean, I think we can all agree. Even if you think ghosts are real, Ghost Hunters is not real. Like none of that stuff is really happening. They're making that stuff up. So it's something that like gives you the vibe of Halloween, but you don't really have to pay attention to it. And you can kind of like check in and check out. And that is kind of like my big spookiness. I want to take back my, change my answer and say the Monster Mash, just the song. That's it. It's it's the music. It's the Halloween music. Yeah. That's what gets me in the mood. That and Carving Pumpkins. Oh my gosh. I'm like, Carving Pumpkins is it's great. all coming to me because we haven't done all any of this stuff yet, which like... We're getting close. I yeah. mean, next weekend is really like the big weekend when we dig into fall activities. Actual Halloween weekend, which is coming up in a couple weekends. I feel like we're so busy. We always have like a bunch of Halloween parties that we're running around to. And it's just like, it is very Halloween-y, but it's not like... It's not the traditional like carving pumpkins, eating candy corn. We're just too popular. The problem, you know, we're just too cool. No, I think we just have such great costumes that people want us around for the costumes. That's it. Fair enough. But one thing I do have to give a shout out, and I've been, you know, stumping for this movie for the last few months. But in case anybody missed my tweet, Slaughterhouse is currently streaming on Hulu. So that is something that we will also be watching. We have not watched it yet. I actually just discovered last night that it was on Hulu. So I'm very excited to watch this. Apparently, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, or Blood and Thunder, or whatever. We're not watching that. That is also streaming for free. And you on just mixed it up of- with Thor, Love, and Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I'm just imagining Winnie the Pooh As wielding. Thor. Uh, yeah, Milnor. A, a big hammer. That's cool. Yeah, but that is also apparently streaming. That is something you know. I feel like that one won't be good. I feel like the reviews. Paint. Yeah, the reviews were terrible. But it's one of those things where I'm just curious because I don't know. I'm just kind of curious. It's a different take on Winnie the Pooh. I kind of wanted to see it when the, we initially saw the trailer, even though it looked kind of bad. Maybe it's something that like we'll have some hard cider and get a little goofy. Maybe it'll have watching. to be very hard cider. <laughs> very hard. So. With that being said, we're going to ease out of our our spooky mood and we're going to talk about something that's not so spooky. There is a new Dragon Ball series announced called Dragon Ball and correct me if I'm wrong here, Daima, which will be coming out fall 2024. And this was actually announced at New York Comic Con. And, you know, Tactic, I know you're the big Dragon Ball guy. I don't really have a whole lot of stake in the game here, but I do know that you do. So this is why this is kind of on our news docket. Give me the rundown. Like, what are you excited for? What is this about? So let us know. In order to get into this, I first want to read a, a letter, an open letter from Akira Toriyama. He says, I'm currently working on a new Dragon Ball. The title is Dragon Ball Dayama. Dayama is a made up term, which basically means evil-ish in English. And it's based, the story is, due to a conspiracy, Goku and his friends are turned small in order to fix things, they'll need to head off into a new world. It's a grand adventure with intense action in an unknown, mysterious world. Since Goku has to make up for his petite size, he uses his power pole to fight, something that has not been seen in a long time. Okay, I'm going to stop there because that is awesome. We've gotten to this point. Are in, they like Rugrats in them? Is that, no, no. No. We've gotten to this point in Dragon Ball Super where it's just level up, you know, next level next level super saiyan god super saiyan you know keeps going and it's like all right i'm tired of it i want like the the intense fights the like overcoming through like strategy and technique and things like that. things that we saw in the original dragon ball when he was a child when he first met bulma and it's it's tough to go back to that because they've progressed so far in the storyline and so this is kind of a neat clever way for them to Go back to the roots of, of Dragon Ball, of what made people love this show. And also, while doing this, keeping all of the lovable characters that we've been introduced to over the years, right? So in Dragon Ball, Piccolo was a bad guy. He was big and not, like, cute. This is the green guy, right? Yeah, that's Piccolo. The green guy. You're <laughs> such a noob. Vegeta, we never really met as a little kid, unless we started to see some of the movies where they would do flashbacks. So that's awesome that we get to see a, a mini Vegeta. And then all of the other characters are just tiny sized. And it's it's just, it's fun. You get to see all of them as kids. You get to see Master Roshi young. And that's just so exciting to me. And then in, like I said, it goes back to the combat that we fell in love with. We're going to see the power pole. I, I really hope we get the Nimbus cloud back. So if you don't know what the Nimbus cloud is, before Goku can fly and teleport everywhere, he flew on a cloud. And there was all these little things that just kind of made it special and made it fun. And I think they're going to go back to that because in order to get big again, well, guess what? They're going to have to collect the Dragon Balls, summon Shenron, and make the wish. So it's going to be Goku, Bulma, now Vegeta's joining the crew, and they're going to be going on this adventure. It's weird to me that they called it a conspiracy of why they got shrunk, because that sounds weird to me. But hey, whatever the explanation, I'm here for it. And the best part about this whole open letter is Toriyama is all in on this. This is this is like a pet project that he is just full force going into, 
And I think it's going to stay true to Dragon Ball's roots and just get fans excited for a whole new series, a whole new take. I mean, yes, Dragon Ball GT wasn't canon, but people still loved it because it was just this new spin that we got to enjoy and, and see characters get a new transformation and so on and so forth. So I'm always excited for these new spinoffs. I don't know if this is going to be canon or if it's going to be a continuation of Super yet. That's still to be determined. But this is awesome. This is cute. And hopefully it brings new fans to the show because that's all I'm really here for is just continuously growing the fan base and keeping Dragon Ball alive for many more years to come. I'm excited that you are excited. (laughs) (laughs) I just, you know, this is just something, it's not even that I necessarily disliked it but i never gave it a shot like has there ever been anything that you thought about getting into and then you look at the backlog and how much you would have to catch up on and you're just like wow that is super overwhelming well that's the beauty of like these non-canon series you don't necessarily need background you can but just you jump still right in. kind of feel like you don't have the background like there are things that you know are going over your head that people who have watched the entire you know dragon ball archives would be getting and you don't it's not that i mean i've been watching it since i mean it's only like 15 years maybe maybe 20 years only of content. like 20 years of like, content you can says. watch it and the other fun thing too if you're watching you can watch it fast forwarded because technically technically that's how it's like perceived so little fun fact for you non-dragon ball z there's there's the the trope that you know a single episode is like goku charging up right well there's flashbacks sometimes of like when Trunks took out Frieza, for example, that happened in like seconds flat, but it was like a whole 30 minute episode. But the thing is, what we are watching on the show is slowed down time of the fighters. So you can just watch the whole thing and fast forward and it would really be true to the way it's done in real time. Interesting. I don't know if I will do that. <laughs> but like I said, I'm excited that you're excited. I'm excited that there's more Dragon Ball for you to watch. I mean, from the trailer, the animation style looks very faithful. I mean, it's the original artist, right? So it's very faithful to, you know, what we've seen in Dragon Ball just looks very clean for the 2024 year. So what I am curious about is there was a lot of like interesting typical anime risque stuff in Dragon Ball that was kind of like funny, but also like, oof, this is a should they have put that in there i don't think they're gonna do that i think they got away with more back so i don't think it'll be line for line dragon ball well you'll have to you know when this comes out in fall 2024 so basically next year i expect a full report back and what you think of it as the biggest dragon ball fan that i know deal how many do you know i I mean i know a decent amount you know i i i dabble in the nerd sphere obviously i know a decent amount of people who watch dragon ball i am just not one of them i need to be friends with those people Sweet. So moving forward, we also got some news and we're going to now be kind of pivoting into the video game sphere. We got some news from Sony. So they are announcing a new version of the PS5. There's two different versions that will be coming out, a new base model PlayStation 5 and a new PlayStation 5 digital edition. I guess I should clarify the base model that I'm referring to has a disk drive and it will be $499.99 and it is smaller. So this is basically going to be a slim version. You know, in every console cycle, it seems like we get like a smaller version midway through. 
not necessarily more powerful. It seems like the specs here will be more or less the same, but it will be smaller. I believe it's going to be about, you know, 30 to 24%. Volume will be reducing by 30% and the weight will be reducing by 24%, depending on which model that you pick. They've also made a very interesting decision. And this is the first time that we've seen this in a mainline console. The PS5 will have the ability to have a detachable disk drive. So the disk drive is going to be built into the side of the console. You'll be able to, you know, remove it, replace it with a side panel. And I believe if you have the digital one, you can buy the disk drive separately for about $80 and slap it on later if you so choose. That means that they're also breaking out, you know, right now, if you look at the current PlayStation 5, you've got the two main side panels. They kind of look like the, the wings or the airfoils on the, on the side of the console. Now they've broken it up into four so that it can be a little bit more modular for the disk drive. Tectic, what do you think about this? So I love that they used volume reduction, not length, not width. And the reason why is because it makes it a bigger number. If they just said the height reduced or the width was reduced, it probably wouldn't sound as substantial. And so I like to think of this reduction or this slim console. This is the equivalent of when I work out for like two days and I'm like, look how ripped I am. I'm not that much stronger. I'm really not. And so this is still a big boy. I want to be clear. This is still a very big console. It is slimmer, but it's not that much smaller. So I kind of like, what was the point here? And then as far as the removable disk drive goes, I'm, I don't understand the value of having it removable. Like, are you ever going to go, ah, today I feel like taking it off? Like, that just seems, that just seems weird to me. I, if, if it were me, I would have delayed this until the technology could actually be substantially smaller and truly be a slim version kind of like what we saw with the ps2 and the ps2 slim where that and was the like ps4 the ps4 got substantially smaller yeah it was too. drastic and and i bet you if you go back to the advertisements mm-hmm. they actually used length and width they didn't use volume to make the number appear smaller this just feels like they're trying to continue to outperform microsoft so they're rushing to do things that aren't really that substantial well and Someone fact check me posthumously and tell me if I'm wrong here, but when the PlayStation 4 Slim came out and even the Xbox when oh man, I, the Xbox One naming convention gets me, was it the Xbox One S? When those came out halfway through the development cycle of that generation, they also introduced stuff like 4K, which the previous like mainline console didn't have. Like the PS4 didn't originally come with 4K, I don't believe, and neither did the Xbox One. So that slim version was also an upgrade in terms of performance. And while there is a slight upgrade here in terms of the internal storage, this now comes with one terabyte of storage. I believe the original base model only had 825 gigs, and that's not a huge upgrade there. There's not a whole lot different, and I don't know why people would buy this unless you didn't have one already. That's what I was... The only thing I could think is when looking at the size of the the original PS5 and the Xbox Series X... (laughs) (laughs) It's so difficult. (laughs) And the Xbox Series X... The Xbox Series X is substantially smaller than the PS5. So my... my... In footprint. Yeah. In yes. Footpr- yes. But in 
volume maybe not because one is more of a cube right but if you lay it on its side or vertical the two orientations in which you'll have it in both instances it's taking up less space and so my guess is they probably and this is a this is speculation but they're probably doing this to edge out that gap between the two consoles and I I wouldn't be surprised if there is a third PS5 release one that's actually like mid-cycle of this console where it's really smaller and actually has a jump in technology well I mean we normally see like the pro versions of consoles come out almost near the end of the generation life cycle if we're being honest so there will definitely I feel like be another PlayStation 5 another weird choice to me here is that the PlayStation 5, the new smaller version, will come with a horizontal stand. But if you want a vertical stand, you're also going to have to buy that separately, which, again, just seems very weird because in all of the promotional images, they have this thing in vertical mode. And yet, (laughs) they're not selling it with a vertical stand. It's going to be a $30 upcharge if you want it to be vertical. And, you know, the OG PS5, you could do it any which way the stand worked in both aspects so it's vertical concerts always sketch me out (laughs) well i thought with the xbox 360 and this is maybe dating myself a little bit but with the xbox 360 i remember hearing and maybe this was just like internet lore but i remember hearing that it was better if your xbox 360 was on its side because you were less likely to scratch the disc and i guess now in this age where a lot of people don't even use discs and things are digital it doesn't matter but i like discs and i'm afraid of scratching them i don't know everything that i've ever used a disc in it has been horizontal and i will continue to use my things horizontally yeah, I, I agree that I don't don't buy the vertical stand, folks. That's that's the online warriors official recommendation. Don't do it. It's too unstable. It'll scare me. The other interesting thing, too, and I mean, I know that most people now and depending on how they like make it modular will feel comfortable popping on a disk drive onto their PlayStation. But it just seems like a big jump and reach to assume that everyone would feel comfortable doing that and i'm wondering like if the original playstation 5 is going to be phased out of existence and replaced with this version which back well i mean looking at just historical data every time there's like a slim version of a console the old version kind of gets phased off of retailer shelves like i just wonder i just wonder who is doing this like if you buy the digital version of this console, it's $50 cheaper than if you buy it with the disk drive. But then if you eventually change your mind and want to put a disk drive on it, it's going to be $80. So now it's more expensive than if you just bought it with the disk drive in general. And it's so confusing. And I just... It's not... It's... it's. Do you want to know what I bet you it is? I bet you adding the component is costing them more money to have the two versions than to have one with the modularity. And then you're just clicking on and off a shell. It's probably cheaper for the manufacturer basically having the access port to take on and off the disk drive on both versions. So then they're just selling it as a feature. Yeah, that's that's 100% what it is. Because to have two different, to have a version with and without functional hardware features is going to be more expensive, right? You're, You're playing the cost versus quantity game and you're splitting your quantity in half based on sales. So this is, do not... Do not think of it as them, oh, we're adding stuff for you. No, they're just making it cheaper to make. The other interesting thing, too, so there's also been news lately that Best Buy is going to start pivoting away from selling physical media. And I'm not even just talking about video games, but, you know, DVDs, music CDs, all that kind of jazz. And there's rumors that Walmart will be, you know, looking to downsize their 
physical media sales as well. Is this an omen of things to come? Like the disk drive being this optional thing? Is this an omen like in the future? Are we not even going to really like will no base model come with a disk drive? And then if you want to play physical media, you'll have to buy the disk drive later. Like, is that going to be in our future? Because if so, I hate that. I hate that too. We're moving to a world where no one owns anything ever. And that's a, you know, that's a, this is, that's a, let's get drinks folks and, and really go down that rabbit hole. But uh, that's, I th- truly believe that is where the future of gaming is. Discs are, are going to be a thing of the past. I mean, let's talk about all of your um, vinyl albums. That's fair. I mean, it's true. It is really nice for a practicality standpoint, not having a bunch of physical media if you don't have the space and the storage for it. Like all of the music that I listen to specifically, because I feel like I'm constantly listening to music. I mean, I play video games all the time too, but like music I'm listening to on my commute. I'm listening to when I'm jamming out. I'm listening to if I'm working out, which hasn't been in a while, but maybe soon. Like I'm constantly listening to music and I listen to so many artists that if I was invested in physical media if i had cds or albums for every artist that i listened to i would not have the space like i would be drowning in vinyls like it would be crazy so i get the appeal of digital media and especially i think the the big difference for me so like pc kind of phased away from physical media a long time ago and steam really took over as you know the main storefront the main launcher the main way you organize your digital games but there are options and alternatives And when you're locked into a specific console, like your PlayStation or your Xbox, you really only have that one marketplace. So you're not as easily going to find sales. You're not going to be able to even like trade. Like with Steam, you can gift someone your game. Like you can be like, I'm done with this. Here is the key. You have fun. Like here it is. You can't really do that with Xbox and PlayStation. There are no alternatives. You don't have GOG. You can't go looking at, you know, humble bundles or anything like that. It's not quite the same marketplace as a PC. So it just makes me super uneasy to not have the ability to buy physical games because I will say like outside of Game Pass and like those type of services, physical media is one of the cheaper ways that you can play video games. And it is one of the ways that Video games are more widely accessible because you can get them on sale, you can get them used. And if we go away with physical games on console specifically, I think it will be a very sad day. Yeah, I wanna give I wanna give games to my friends. End of story. Yeah. All of you consoles, console companies, just follow Steam's way. If if you're gonna get away from disc, follow that path because it's absolute PC gaming is and always will be the trailblazer for what you know, what capabilities our consoles have, what games are played and how to how to play them with, with friends still. So follow that follow that route. It's my PSA. So before we jump into our final topic for the day, we do have another PSA. We would like to shout out our fantastic Patreon producer, Mr. Stephen Keller. He has been supporting us at the night level on our Patreon for quite a while now. And as one of his perks, he gets to come on the show. His time is coming up soon and we're super excited to have him back on. I'm sure you'll be hearing that episode in the very near future. On top of that, he also gets access to our monthly secret segment and monthly vlog on top of, you know, making big decisions in what quiz games we play every week. Unfortunately, because it's a two-person show this week, we don't have a quiz for you, but that will be returning next week. So be prepared. If you are not prepared to be as cool as Steven, because I got to be honest, he's a pretty cool guy. I get that not everybody is ready to take that step yet. We do have other 
tiers at our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash online warriors podcast. You can be a page or a squire. Those have different levels of what kind of rewards you get. Everybody gets access to our monthly secret segment, but some people get access to the vlog. Some people get access to the quiz voting. It's up to you. Check it out. We very much appreciate Stephen's support. We very much appreciate the support of our other Patreon subscribers. They help us keep the lights on here at Online Warriors Central. They've kept us in business for eight years. Business, but I guess our business is talking to you guys and filling your ear holes. And we really appreciate it. We could not do it without them. So big applause, hands up, thumbs up for Stephen and the other Patreon subscribers. And now we will take a short little break and come back to you soon. Welcome aboard to Vague Airlines. We are cruising here at uh, 40,000 feet. That might be too many feet, but what do I know? I'm not really an airplane. I'm a podcaster. Actually, I'm a co-podcaster. I'm the co-host of uh, several episodes of the Too Vague Podcast. If you haven't heard it, you're missing out. Check out the Too Vague Podcast. Any place podcasts do whatever they do. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned off the fastened seatbelt sign. For your continued safety, Too Vague Airlines requires that you keep your seatbelt fastened at all times while seated. But... While you're seated, you can tune in to the Too Vague Podcast, T-W-O-V-A-G-U-E, on your favorite podcast services, and enjoy the flight. All right, and we're back with a more Xbox-related topic. So as some of you may know, the Xbox and Activision deal finally closed last week. This has been a very long, ongoing saga, but Xbox has officially acquired Activision and Blizzard. That's not really the big news. The bigger news, in our opinion at least. So there was a kind of town hall internal meeting with the Activision CEO and Activision Blizzard employees. And one of the main headlines that kind of came out of that was the potential revival of Guitar Hero. Called it. We called it, guys. The Online Warriors called this. I th- we did talk about this a few weeks ago, I think. It, it was like yeah. fairly recently. They heard us. They listened to our episode, guys. And they're like, you know what? That's a, that's a good freaking idea. And now that, you know, the Microsoft deal has cleared, I would really love to see this. I imagine. So one of the things that I think eventually killed Guitar Hero Rock Band was kind of like DLC. So like DLC was great and then it kept the game alive. You could buy more songs and whatnot. But eventually, like, I don't know, there was just a lot of stuff to buy and you could only listen to that music in Guitar Hero and Rock Band. And I get why you had to pay for it. But I mean, people who wanted to continue building their library, they were shelling out continually. And so I think that just paired with the, you know, overall popularity of that sort of rhythm gaming kind of phased out of existence. And with Microsoft potentially reviving Guitar Hero, putting this on Game Pass and having this wide library of songs for people to play on Game Pass, I feel like it could be a new revolution for rhythm gaming. So one of the things that has kind of kept me curious on when when they were going to make their next move was the fact that PlayStation has had the PSVR over and over and over and over, and Xbox has not been responsive at all. The revival of Guitar Hero, I think, is an interesting step in them potentially making that move into either virtual reality or augmented reality. And the reason why I think that and why I'm bringing this up is we've seen games on the MetaQuest and things like that where they 
overlay a piano and there's the the keys strokes you know streaming up into your view and i don't think they can just introduce the guitars again without doing something additional and so is the introduction going to be guitar hero or are they going to do more of a holistic band experience where you have you know there's now you have the regular guitar stick or whatever but there's also hey there's tito on the keys give me a riff tito and you can have that and now now i i can foresee okay this is how microsoft's going to do it and playstation is basically shoehorned out of that market because microsoft owns guitar they can't do it unless they were to do some other completely tangential thing so i think this is an exciting time for them to leverage this guitar hero ip to jump into that market Again, this is my speculation. I think it's a good opportunity to use that, but it's just what I'm guessing. And we've been right before with them uh, bringing Guitar Hero back. So let's go. Let's go say we're batting a thousand. I will say, I think if they do bring back Guitar Hero, they can't do what Guitar Hero Live tried to do. And I know we talked about this a little bit before a few weeks ago, whenever we talked about Guitar Hero last, but we did. I bought into Guitar Hero Live. I was super excited for the return of Guitar Hero. I missed it. I thought that it would be a fun party game to buy. And we ended up getting them, I think, at like BJ's or Costco or something. Super cheap. We got like a two guitar set and the game. And they just made it so hard. And I get that they were trying to make it very realistic. Like they had two rows of buttons. So instead of having, if you like... That's terrible. If you remember the old school Guitar Hero and even Rock Band guitars, you know, I think it was five buttons in a row all lined up. Easy to press. Yeah, they weren't stacked. Whereas the Guitar Hero Live controller had stacked buttons and it was just, it was very difficult. It was touchy. When you're trying to like just go fast and keep up, you're 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 hitting wrong buttons and it's just, they, they had the right formula with the guitar controller initially and they shouldn't have diverted on that. And I get they wanted to go for a quote unquote more realistic guitar learning experience, but if people wanted to have that experience, Rocksmith already existed to give people the real experience because you literally used a real guitar as your controller and it taught you how to play guitar. So if people wanted a more lifelike experience, they could just buy Rocksmith. People loved Guitar Hero for the arcade and competitive nature. People didn't necessarily want to learn how to play the guitar. They wanted that Almost like when you're playing air guitar, they wanted the air guitar feeling. They wanted that, hey, I can just pick this thing up. I don't really have to learn it and I can feel like a rock star. And that is not what Guitar Hero Live delivered. And that's why the key technological advancement is not, you know, changing the buttons, not changing the experience, but adding features to the guitar controller itself so that it becomes this immersive thing. Throw in a bunch of accelerometers so that when you're when you're really hitting it and, and you hold that guitar full vertical, it's... It's reflected in the game. You're going, you know, the whammy bar was a fantastic addition. Pull on that thread. See what else you can do with those kind of features. And as I said, make it immersive. Make it, I think augmented reality is probably the best approach with this. But like, come on, Microsoft, blow us away. Really knock our socks off. I do wonder, like, I don't think, though, that Microsoft is going to get involved in the VR game. I think they have been kind of involved in, like, the AR field, but more so for, like, corporate applications and business and research applications. I think after the Kinect failure, I don't think they want to touch that in terms of gaming with a 10-foot pole. And especially when you look at the PlayStation VR, like, it is a very expensive expensive periphery, and it doesn't really have a high adoption rate. Well, that's why... 
So the Nintendo Switch with the the Joy-Cons are a fantastic example on how to do an, an immersive experience with the controller and all the sensors in it without having, you know, the Kinect camera and all that other clunky hardware. You can leverage sensors on a single controller without having all this other peripheral nonsense. I would love, you know, obviously this is not a guitar, but I would love Microsoft to explore things maybe like Trombone Party, you know, bring that. Obviously, they don't own Trombone Party, but like just look at other instruments too. round out like one of the coolest things to me was the rock band experience with all of the different instruments. And See if you can bring back the properties. See if you can like round out a band. See if you can make it social again, because I think we don't have enough party games. Honestly, Jackbox is kind of running a monopoly right now in terms of party games. If you don't have a Nintendo Switch and you don't have access to like Mario Party or Mario and Rabbids and the luxury of having quick, cheap motion controls with the Joy-Cons. If you don't have a Nintendo Switch, there's not many party games for you outside of like Jackbox. So use Guitar Hero, bring back the IP, Microsoft, give us some party games in the rhythm sphere because I am super jazzed about it. She's ready to rock out, guys. This is a fact. And kind of on that note, just to kind of round out the news, I did mention the Activision Blizzard Microsoft acquisition deal finally did get settled. Everything is now under the Xbox family. And, you know, Tectic, I know this is kind of putting you on the spot here a little bit, but of all of the Activision properties and Activision and Blizzard, they have a lot of properties, but what are you most excited for Microsoft to potentially revive? You know, Activision owns things like Call of Duty, Crash Bandicoot, Tony Hawk, Spyro, King's Quest, Prototype, which was a game that you loved. You know, your Guitar Hero, DJ Hero, Gun, Hexen, Pitfall, Base Quest, Time Shift. Time Shift, Time Shift, Time Shift's the answer. Time Shift, even when it came out, was the most underrated game ever because it in a world where it was all online multiplayer the this game had lackluster online multiplayer but the story was chef's kiss mint the way that they implemented time manipulation the way they told the story ah it was a puzzle shooter game it was so good bring back that and maybe zhuzh up the online multiplayer so it gets the love it deserves my answer is outside of, you know, Guitar Hero. Don't get me wrong. I love Call of Duty, but that franchise is already ongoing. Crash Bandicoot is still alive. And I think Spyro is more or less alive, too. You know, they did the Spyro collection. We haven't really seen a new Spyro in a while, but like, I don't think it's dead dead. But Tony Hawk Pro Skater. I know we did get the, it's not a reboot, but the um the remaster of Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2. But man, that was so much fun. And it shows that that kind of gameplay loop really still holds up. And I would just like to see a new entry in Tony Hawk Pro Skater because I, first of all, you know, love just skating around, checking boxes, doing tasks in a skating world, performing sick tricks and having a sick soundtrack. And especially if it comes out on Game Pass, like this would be something that I would probably be addicted to the minute it comes out. And I think skating is back in a yeah, big way. Yeah, all skating games, their soundtrack and the gameplay are just instant bangers. But that's that just felt like an easy answer to me. Well, no, because outside of that remaster, there hasn't really been a new Tony Hawk game in a while. And I want that in my life. All right. So if you're listening, Tony, get at it. Get after it. All right. So that wraps up the news portion of our show today. Like I said, unfortunately, we don't have a quiz, but we still do a do have a what are you up to Wednesday? Wednesday? So... 
I'll go first here because I did something that I was very excited about. I did not get tickets to the Eras Tour. I tried very hard. And now all of the resale tickets are very expensive and I cannot afford, nor can I justify spending $1,500 on a single ticket for three hours of my life. I I can't do it. I I want to do it, but I I can't do it. So I did the next best thing and I went to the Eras Tour movie and Tectic was gracious enough to come with me and a friend and we went to a drive-in movie theater that had this played on a big screen. So it was basically like a giant tailgate party concert experience. It was a little nippy. We are in, you know, the tri-state area, East Coast. Definitely not a warm, warm experience, but we were all bundled up. We had popcorn. We brought dinner. We had some nice little drinks and we rocked out, popped out, had a bunch of, you know, fun moments to the Eras tour. And it was really, 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 really well done. It did make me super jealous. Like it made me want to go to the the concert again. I did look up tickets shortly after we got home and they're still very expensive. So I probably will not be going to the Aero store, but I will say like this experience was probably a next best thing. There were some songs that were cut that I know are on the set list because if anybody else is like me, you're a psycho who probably watched a bunch of live streams on TikTok throughout the entirety of the Aero's tour so far. So there were some songs that were missing, but I think the cinematography and everything that they did in this movie made you feel as close as you could get to being at the concert without being there. And I'm sure that there are probably some aspects in which it was better because you did get to see like the little details, especially there were a lot of like just little dancing details that you probably wouldn't notice if you're up sitting in the nosebleeds and the 500s in an arena that we got to see up close, which was super cool. And like the whole tolerated table acting scene, I feel like there's a lot of nuance in the acting that you would not see if you were, like I said, up in the nosebleeds. So that was really cool. And feel like this will probably hit streaming eventually at some point. Most of the old Taylor Swift concert documentaries have hit streaming at some point. And I kind of can't wait to watch it again sometime. My, so I am not a Swifty. Nerd Bomber is a Swifty. I am the husband of a Swifty. But let me tell you, I'm a believer. I went to this and I am so glad that they were you know, making their Snapchats when I was not talking because my whole spot, my whole image would just be blown up. I, they, whew. one, men, if you're afraid to admit you're a Swifty, don't be that way. Two, easy on the eyes. She, she is, she is, she is gorgeous. Three, if you do go to this, wear your wedding ring. I was getting compliments all over the place. So like, just let them know you're taken. And four, she is just so talented. There were songs I didn't know. And I was like, this, this is such a good song. It's hitting me. Send me right here. It was just, oh, I, like I said, I am converted. I'm with it. I literally instantly like added several songs to my like go-to playlist because they just, oh my goodness gracious. It was so good. It was so good. Well, I think, and technically correct me if I'm wrong, but like you kind of know that Taylor Swift did the transition from country music to pop, but I don't think you realize the range with which she sings like she basically covers almost every genre like especially recently she's gotten into like folk and I just don't think that people realize until you sit down and you you watch almost a three-hour concert or movie and it goes through her entire discography I don't think you realize how much range she has I want to be clear I wasn't ignorant to Taylor Swift prior to this I knew a lot of her her like mainstream songs but like there are ones that I never heard before that just took me away like just go check this out. You'll be a you'll be a believer. Trust me. Just no no notes. It was great. It was great. 
would you if the ticket so like okay no I guess, not for no, fifteen hundred dollars no, no, not for fifteen hundred dollars <laughs> i have to figure out the way i want to phrase this what is the most that you would pay for a taylor swift ticket if i can get two tickets for 500 bucks okay okay that is about what we paid for Noah Khan tickets. So you're saying that she's on the same level as Noah Khan, or do you think it would she is more expensive than Noah Khan? I used that experience to set the bar because even that I was like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Five hundred bucks is a lot of money. So is that all you had to talk about, or is there anything else that you want to mention? I did start dabbling in Starfield. I feel like I'm too early to really give any first impressions. And I know that sounds kind of crazy. I'm like eight hours into the game, but I've been really sidetracked by like stupid side quests and I get like that. So I've not progressed very far in the story. And so more to come on that. So I have two announcements for myself. The first one is a callback to those scary stories you tell in the dark. One of the things I did this past week is I farmed my potatoes out of the garden and That's they, a scary story. Yes. They, the the rabbits kept like nomming the top of my plants. So they kept having to put energy back into regrowing the plant and not into the potatoes. So they were all creepily toe shaped. So like this is a perfect time to just have like a bunch of toe sized potatoes. Toe soup. Where's my toe? Those who know, you know. So that was kind of creepy. I'm a little sketched out by the way they look, but I'm going to enjoy them nonetheless. And I don't think that there's any any bodies potentially buried in my garden, so most, I hope not. Li- most likely not toes. Although we did once find knives in our walls. That's a story for, maybe that's a secret segment one day. So that was fun. I always enjoy kind of like, it's like Easter egg hunts, but stop eating my plants, animals. You're ruining my potato sizes. And then the other thing that I want to talk about is we started watching Goosebumps and I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret. I didn't read the books as a kid. Guys, blew my you mind. are... I, I thought everybody read the books. You are traumatized if you're reading this as a little child. What is wrong with you? These are scary. They're not not scary. That is for sure. Like, what eight-year-old is reading through this? I, there's, a, there's a reason I'm not afraid of the dark. And there's a reason you are. It's because you read Goosebumps when you are eight. That's, you're that you're not it. wrong. You're not wrong. And it was also like, this is a TV show now, but there was a TV show back in the day based on the book as watched well. That and too. I did watch that. <laughs> they were actually, the bro, I'm pretty sure they were on like Saturday morning cartoons. Like I remember watching them and then like, Yu-Gi- there was Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh! There were so no, no, many no. better options. I, I think that these were on and then like, this was like the 1 p.m. thing. This was like after Yu-Gi-Oh, after Pokemon. So like in the middle of winter, like I'm pretty sure this was... I'll fact check this. You talk about the show. Yeah. So it's scary. There's a lot of like demon possessions possessions, and like really dark, twisted like aesthetics. It's all do not watch the show with like lights on because you won't be able. Everything is just looks like glare. But it's so it forces you to turn the lights off and then it's super scary. So like she's braver than me in this and I'm usually the brave one. So just just don't just don't folks. Yeah, bro. This is on Fox Kids. <laughs> Fox Kids. My goodness. <laughs> nightmare fuel so that's what i've been up to (laughs) and with that we are going to close out our show i hope you enjoyed this episode and i hope you're excited for illegal to host the quiz next week as we do in every single one of our shows we're going to close out by saying stay safe and keep on podcasting